So I just want to thank you for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this interview. Um, before we get started, could you please share your name, your pronouns, if you use anything, and anything else you want to let us know about your identity and what you do for a living? Um, Marcus Turner, he, him, his. Uh, I'm a salesman at a dealership. Uh, and that's about it. What does it felt like having to go to work and, and be present within the workspace while all these other world events are happening? Um, during COVID, it was totally different because, um, you know, the in car sales, the way to greet someone is shaking their hands uh, and trying to get close to them to get for them to understand that you're not you're human. You would like to do business with them and you're going to take care of them after. Uh, so it was just like a bunch of like head nodding, which uh, we made fun fun of China about doing. But we're starting to do this in our present day, uh, air air bump, uh, elbowing people like as a, a way of greeting, um, just a bunch of eye contact, which as humans we should do, but sometimes we don't do, um, and just trying to find a way to connect to a customer or to a person even if they buy or don't buy um and then there's some people that like wants to shake your hand that like i'm not sick i'm not a carrier um i've been doing this for way too long and if i die i die so they shake your hand they get close to you they enjoy the interaction some people just natural huggers natural Handshakers, natural smiler, natural. I want to get close to you. Um, so it's kind of weird because at at a certain point you want to separate the two. Mm-hmm. Um, you you don't want to like for me uh, having older clientele. I didn't want to get close to them mm-hmm. because one, I don't know if I'm a carrier or if they're a carrier. And if I am a carrier, I don't want to get too close to them. Mm-hmm. But it's some older couples like I don't care if you're a carrier or I don't care if you have it. If it's my time to go, it's my time to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of weird trying to separate the two because one one moment you get a person that's all, oh, can I hug you? You show me a car, and then you get another person that's like, oh, stay six feet apart, don't touch me, don't get close to me. So it was kind of weird. Um, during the riot. Um, don't take this. I hope people don't take this the wrong way. I work with a lot of Caucasian Americans. Um, it it was different. It was it was different in a sense because a lot of people don't know the history of Black people and their struggles. In uh, this, because they didn't grow up in this in areas that we grew up in. Uh, most of them grew up in white communities or rural areas. Uh, where it was predominantly uh, generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, some may have grew up in like black neighborhoods, but they wasn't uh, I'm trying to put it, they wasn't treated as how black folks was even in those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was different to kind of to explain to people the reason behind most of the stuff that's going on mm-hmm. and why people are doing the stuff that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also different because some of the people that I thought would be understanding wasn't understanding. Mm-hmm. And some of the people that I never thought would understand or even attempt to try to understand was actually understanding. Mm-hmm. And it made me reconsider, like, are the people that's really in your face really there for you just mm-hmm. to be there for you and the people that's not in your face that you don't feel is there for you, actually there for you and kind of understand what you're going through. And it's it's a sense of like some people uh, try to understand, but really don't care to understand. Mm -hmm. Like I always say, it's three people in the world, three Caucasian Americans in the world. It's a a person that understands Mm -hmm. because they know what's going on in the world is wrong. Mm -hmm. Then it's the type of person that, oh, I understand just because we're friends, but I really don't care. Mm. Um, And then it's people that I don't give a shit. It's not happening to me, so I don't even care to understand. I just think whatever, everything that's going on is completely stupid. Um, So that kind of set me in a different way of moving differently with different people. Mm -hmm. Um, So it, it was a lot to talk about, to think about. 
Um, it just made me mentally take a step back and look at things different and try to understand people's thoughts and how they feel, mm-hmm. not just how I feel in this situation. Because obviously, a lot of us is angry, frustrated. But at the same time, sometimes it's better to take a step back or take yourself out of that situation and just look out. Because if you're on the inside, you will never look out. But if you're on the outside, you can always look in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, <clears throat> just mentally trying to prepare yourself and try to understand that not everybody's going to feel the same way you feel. Not mm-hmm. everyone is going to think the same way you think. So... It was, it was just tough to just understand, like, hey, like, damn, I thought you would understand or be there for me, and you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, damn, I thought you wouldn't even care, but you're sitting here having this hour conversation with me while we busy at work. Mm-hmm. And, like, and it was just, like, interesting because some people just, just smile in your face and really don't give a fuck about you. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really powerful the way you had like those three kind of typologies of like of white people. Right. Um, And I'm wondering, like, what what did it feel like emotionally? Because for me, it seems like that's a lot of labor to one be an essential ploy this this whole time. Right. To not have a break, to be risking your own health and safety, to be at work, to give your labor and then to have compounded on top of that, you know, riots, anti-black racism, pulling you in different directions, having you, you know, give a lot of emotional labor to it. So, like, how, how have you, like, managed the emotional aspect of it? And how has that felt in your body kind of, like, giving out all these kinds of labor, be it, like, teaching white folks about black history or being essential this whole time? Like, how have you just managed Um, honestly, it's been easy for me. Um, the reason why it's been easy because one, uh, in being an African American male, you prone to pressure all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's walking through your neighborhoods, uh, where gun violence, drugs are very prevalent, um, gangs, um, having interaction with each of those situations um it made me to reconsider like think like how can i handle different situations um and honestly i am blessed enough to say that i'm a patient person Mm. um that i can think things through before acting on something um so it was a little bit easier and was more easier to handle um don't get me wrong i was frustrated i was pissed but study just taking that out on people, I I just took a step back um, to mentally gain to gather myself mentally, physically, um, and spiritually. Um, prayer through this whole thing was a guidance. Um, not saying like, oh God will you know take everything apart off us. I think He's putting this on us so we can get together and figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It just just re- rethinking everything, just like taking a step back, being patient, see how everything plays out. Um, not just lashing out on a person because I'm angry, even though I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, it was times that I did lash out on a person because I felt they said something very stupid. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say stupid. I would say they said something that I didn't agree with that made me frustrated. Um, mm-hmm. But being through all this stuff like going through COVID it was frustrating at first uh, because I didn't understand it we never been through it mm-hmm. um, my hours got cut at work but I still worked a lot um, long term short term it was terrible long term it was good because I was able to get some things done at home and kind of plan things but also to read upon things and try to understand it uh, trying to figure out what I can do to make mm-hmm. a this situation better uh how i can protect myself uh so i started to uh every day i come home take a shower to protect my family from COVID 19 um and just keeping myself distance from a lot of people um but with the with the black lives matter movement the writing um it was different because 
in a sense, I wanted to get together with African-American people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, will we get COVID if we get together? So it was kind of trying to figure out what's the difference between, like, how to get those two together without mm-hmm. putting ourselves in harm's way. Mm-hmm. Um, which was challenging within itself. But at a certain point, I began to, like... It is what it is. If it's meant for us to die, we'll die. I became one of those people. Um, but it, it was it was definitely different in a sense of like trying to figure out how to work things out, how to think about things, and how to accomplish what you want to do mm-hmm. without putting yourself in harm's way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a lot of conversation with people, um, African American and Caucasian American. Um, so yeah mm-hmm. I hope I answered your question yeah yeah you definitely did and I, I appreciate those reflections um, I'm wondering so we talked about your being an essential employee this whole time and working I'm wondering like in what other spaces have you been engaged in lately it can be online and like what has that been like and felt like especially more recently with the with the deaths of countless black folks so mainly of my conversation has been either at work uh which is funny because um majority of our employees are caucasian american mm-hmm. um so talking to them hearing different stories like telling them my story and how my story is totally different from them like one of the main stories i always tell people is like with caucasian american what's the first story your parents ever told you about the world and they would tell me their story pretty much basically economic wealth um my first story is about if a cop ever pull you over what to do mm-hmm. um and it it hit them differently because like why at a at a young age do you need to be taught about the police and they thought thinking young age I'm like 13 14 going into high school you know the first time I was ever told a story about a cop I was 5 years old the first time I ever got pulled over by a cop was I was 6 years old and when I was 6 years old all the cops that pulled me over were Caucasian American I didn't see not one cop and it was crazy because they pulled, they grabbed me because they thought I was someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was only a kid. They was looking for an adult. So happy his name was Marcus. Uh, <clears throat> so, but just telling them stories about how, like, how my life is completely different than what they think. Like, they see me now as, like, a, 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 a well-off, black, educated man. But before any of this, they would, they never knew that, like, hey... I would get pulled over by a cop. What you doing in this white area? Mm-hmm. Like, stuff like that. And, like, stuff they never been through or never heard about. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it just makes them different. And then another way I create conversations through Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the interaction on Facebook is different than face-to-face communication. Because you can be a dick on Facebook because you're not in that person's face. So, you can say stuff that, like... Mm-hmm. can agitate a person knowing that it's going to agitate a person but you wouldn't do it personally in their face <clears throat> so being on Facebook you see a lot of comments that you're just like you're just a complete idiot like you're not even trying to understand um, like a, a example um, my friend he did the um, the black man challenge uh just pretty much the black man challenge is just saying like hey I respect you I love you post a picture of yourself to show self love and also tag a person that you want them to show their own self love and mm-hmm. show that you love and respect them mm-hmm. uh, to build up the black man community and his his post was I don't know why black men are doing this it's, uh, it's putting a gap in um, in race and what if a white man did the white man self-love? And so it started a whole conversation. And <clears throat> he kind of understand it. But to me, he was only trying to understand it because mm-hmm. backlash, uh, which a lot of people do that. Like, 
if you get called out on something, you kind to try to understand it so people can leave you alone, mm-hmm. not to understand it because people actually, because you actually want to understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I try not to get deep into Facebook, but sometimes it's hard mm-hmm. to not get deep into Facebook. Because, like, you see so much stuff that you want to comment on, that you want to say something about. But then when you do comment on it, you feel like, was it really worth it? Like, should I even comment it or should I even put myself in that situation? And then also the the interesting side is, like, if you don't comment as a black man or say something as a black man, you're looking like, okay, you, you don't care for us, you... You turn it into one of them, what is also known as a coon. But the moment you do say something, the people that like feel like, oh, you shouldn't be interacting with that stuff because I know you're better than that. And then you like, fuck, like, and it's it's no in the middle. It's no in the middle. It's yeah. either one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always going to stick for my people. I don't care who judged me or what opportunities I miss. Um, I'm always going to stick with African-American, male and female, um, because, one, we do have it hard in the world. Uh, we it, it's, it's crazy because J. Cole said, uh, excuse my language, niggas in the hood are the best actors. Uh, that is true. Um, because, one, you... To go to a job interview, you got to change how you talk. Mm-hmm. You got to change how you dress, how you look, how you interact with mm. people. Um I tell people all the time, I think I'm a great salesman is because I actually don't like people. Um, and a lot of people laugh and joke like I'm dead ass serious. Mm-hmm. Like I I can be to myself um, mm-hmm. because I feel most people in the world are fake. Um, so I'd rather not have fake people around me and the people that actually love and care for me. I would love and care for them back. Um, <clears throat> so it's just being different in different spaces and mm-hmm. like uh, one moment you you yourself like I'm from Chicago south side of Chicago Inglewood area um, so I grew up saggy pants I didn't sag my pants because my dad would whoop my ass um, but I grew up around a bunch of people that sold drugs that was in gangs um, I was probably one of few that made it out Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was interesting it's because I tell people all the time I credit the people that was in these things that was selling drugs yes I sold drugs yes I was I did gang familiar stuff uh, but I never harmed anyone um, but I, I credit those people because as a black man they knew that they saw something in me. Most of them told me, hey, you don't need to be doing none of this stuff. You don't need to sell drugs. If you need money, I'll give you money. Um, because I feel you have a bright future. I feel you can go somewhere. That's why I would never look down on someone that's in a gang war, that's selling drugs. They actually want to do something positive with their life. Mm-hmm. But because they've been boxed in so much that they can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people say, oh, well, you pulled yourself up by the bootstraps and got out. No, no, I didn't pull myself up by the mm-hmm. bootstraps. They pulled up my bootstraps, and I just walked. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's just to understand, like, I, I can't give up on my community. I can't give up black folks. I don't, I don't care how bad or what some of the things that I feel is wrong that they do. Um, but at the same time, if you're boxed in, if you put a if you put a bunch of lions in a cage that don't know each other and trying to get to know each other, and then you take some lions that was in another cage inside the same cage, you don't think they'll fight? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what's going on in the black community. Like, growing up, you had the projects, right? So you had the projects, you had this area, you had that area. And this is going to the black on black crime that white people like, oh, but you got black on black crime. I I had that same thought, but thinking more time to think makes me change the views. Uh, It's because I'm always a thinker. 
um, <clears throat> like you had the projects, then you had this the neighborhoods that's in Inglewood. You had mm-hmm. this area, this area. So pretty much gangs was split about. So yes, it was crime in Chicago, but it wasn't as much as it is now. The reason why it's as much as it is now because you're tearing down all these neighborhoods to mm-hmm. build wealth for Caucasian American, like condos, uh, mansions, police stations, adding on to the 35th where the Sox Stadium is to make it make it more prevalent for white folks. Um, mm-hmm. And you put in all these same people that was like gangs in this neighborhood, gangs in that neighborhood, gangs in this neighborhood, all in one single area and you're not expecting it to, for people to kill each other or people to rob each other or people to shoot at each other. So, that's how I feel. But it, being on Facebook is different. It makes you think different. It makes you realize, like, should you interact with certain people? Because mm-hmm. um, when you're in someone's face, they're totally different mm-hmm. than they are on Facebook. So, yeah. Yeah, and then I feel like you have people who are just committed to misunderstanding you. Right. And I think it's easy to hide behind spaces within Facebook because it's not confrontational right. you know like you don't have to see that person yeah. um and you can spew your ignorance and hide behind a post that may or may not get flagged or you may not may you may or may not be accountable to what you say mm-hmm. um and so you know for me i feel like that's an easy way out of having meaningful conversations but also becoming educated about experiences that they don't have to live Um, and so I'm grateful that you share like some of who you are and your story and your worldview because that is the way that is some of the work that I think we can do to both educate um, but also hold white people and white structures accountable to their complacency within that Um, and I'm wondering something you said made me think about tokenism right so like this idea that we are palatable or acceptable to white people because of our status because we've you know we've made it right in some degree through education through economics through moving up in the workforce or through the way that we talk through language right we know how to speak we know how to carry ourselves we know how to dress we have a certain kind of respectability politics that that they like to see because it mirrors what they've been accustomed to their whole life so it makes them comfortable it doesn't inconvenience them it doesn't shock them it's not um detestable to them so like how how do you think about that because some you were talking about this idea of code switching And, you know, having to be different in these different spaces, especially when you're amongst white folks. But you said it's important that you always show that you're for your black people, especially when you're on Facebook. Even though there's challenges with that, you always want to be for black people. Um, And that doesn't mean, like you said, you don't hold black folks accountable when we're doing harms within our community. But you're always pro-black. So, like, how do you how do you assert an authentic self when you know there's white the white gaze and white expectations that you be a certain kind of blackness and then your work may expect you to be a certain kind of black person or facebook may ask you to be a certain kind of radical black person like how do you how do you be yourself in these different spaces that you've talked about so i was always taught never you can take a man out of the hood but you can't take the hood out of a man um so in a sense, I still be myself. I'm just conscious of what I say and how I say it. Um, <laughs> I can still be this loud black person, and I will always be that. Um, I will always challenge people uh, about like when someone says, "Oh, you from the hood?" And no, I say, "No, I'm from Inglewood." Um, mm-hmm. The hood is just what you think it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually. If you never, if you haven't been from there, if you're not from there, obviously you don't know. Uh, once you get this label, you stuck with the label for the rest of your life. So mm-hmm. Caucasian American made the label of hood, uh, and it's stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, most neighborhoods are f- 
family oriented, yeah, you have some moments where people fight and everything, but that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Name me a white family that haven't fought each other or haven't gotten into it with someone in another, another neighborhood. Yeah, it's more prevalent in the black community mm-hmm. than it is in the white communities. So you have to think we are also boxed in where you look at the white neighborhood, it's one school in one town. In the black neighborhood, it's 10 schools in one area. Yeah. Uh, it's one corner store. In the black neighborhood, it's 10 corner stores. So, yeah, you're you packing a bunch of people in. But to answer your question, I just try to be myself. I don't change who I am based upon, like, the atmosphere. I stay myself. I stay being loud. Like, uh, the lady at work, she, she gets mad at me because I go throughout the whole day uh, calling uh, a friend of mine, a Caucasian friend of mine, uh, a motherfucker, uh, screaming out loud, just being loud and just showing people that, like, hey, I'm black, I'm here, I'm present. I, I understand this is, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, your world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, motherfucker, my family built this world for you. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to show that blackness is present. Uh, it, it's not too many black people in the car business because not too many people know mm-hmm. how to interact with different type of clientele. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, I'm blessed enough to be able to interact with different clientele, but also be myself. Um Yes, I have to change my vocabulary, not say certain words. A lot of people still laugh at me because I still say finna. Mm-hmm. Study I'm about to. Mm-hmm. Um, and customers get it. They get it. Like most most people, most most of the slang that we use, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know. It came from white folks. It came from southern roots. It came from the country. Mm-hmm. So finna, a lot of people say that... Um, and then just also being able to like, and it's a cool thing that like a lot of food that I cook at home, which is African American food like oxtails, uh, cornbread, fried chicken, different grilling, being on the grill because a lot of people like black folks know how to grill, black <laughs> folks know how to cook. So being able to cook different things in Caucasian Americans trying to like, oh, what's this? Blah blah blah. How you cook this? How you cook that? And it's like, okay, welcome to my world. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and, and it's, it's just different. And then to have people like with a customer, oh, he's a really good dude. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And like, and just not changing who you are because the more you change who you are, the more you get lost. Um, the more you stay yourself, the more people accept you for mm-hmm. who you are. Um, so when I first got into car business, I tried to change who I was and it was tough. It was different because I'm like, how do I interact with this white space? How do I become, I wouldn't say one of them, but how do I take this Chicago accent, the Chicago word terms, uh, mm-hmm. the Chicago I beat your ass if you fuck with me, like mentality away in a oh, friendly, communicative, smart, intelligent, uh, know how to speak, mm-hmm. um, and just like stuff that they was taught. I I wasn't taught, and how do I get all this stuff? And it was tough. Mm-hmm. But then I realized, like, if I change who I am, I'm lost. Yeah. Like, I don't want to lose myself. So mm-hmm. to be in a space, I'm just going to continue to be myself. I and mean, people don't want to buy from me because I'm, I, I, I don't talk the same language they do. Mm-hmm. I don't look the same way they do. Um, or I just, I'm just this loud person. I'm just the same person. Mm-hmm. I'd rather not have your business. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to judge me. So it, in a sense, it was hard. But at the same time, people gravitate to people that their self. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, sometimes you won't get some of the words I'm saying because obviously you're not from familiar with the, the uh, vernacular of black folks, color folks. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, we are human, so you will understand it. You will figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that's a part of being a good Samaritan. Good, having good humanity is to understand the person try to figure out what they're saying or why mm-hmm. they're saying it this way um, so it, it's just to challenge myself personally to not change 
based off my atmosphere. Mm. Um, mm. Mm-hmm. Because if you continue to change yourself based off your atmosphere, you you'll be an actor. Mm-hmm. I'm not an actor. Mm-hmm. If I was an actor, I would have went to school for acting job, <laughs> and I would have been in movies. Like that's that's not my life. My life is to be Marcus Turner, um, to be this guy from Chicago, uh, and a lot of people were like. Um, I would say every place I've been with car business, I've been to two different places. I can, uh, everybody say I completely changed the atmosphere. Uh, and what they mean by that, I didn't change who I was. I came in with tattoos, and a lot of people's like, oh, you should cover up your tattoos. No, I'm not going to cover up my tattoos because that's who I am. I, I built these tattoos about my life. Mm. I want you to ask questions about my life. Mm-hmm. I want you to understand my life and why I did certain things. Uh, the most recent one was uh, earrings. Oh, in the car business, man shouldn't wear earrings. I challenged that. That's bullshit. I'm going to wear earrings. Why do you have earrings? Thank you for trying to understand my life. Like... I want you to see everything about me. I don't want to hide anything. It, when people ask questions, the first thing they see is this big tattoo on my arm that says King, that says 773 and got Chicago Skyline above. First question they ask, what's your, what does your tattoo say? Perfect. Conversation started. Let's stop talking about the card. Let's understand my life and who I am as a person. Then I tell them all about this tattoo, why I got it, uh, what it means to me. Um, and the backstory to the skyline is because I've been away from Chicago for 10 years now. Mm-hmm. What, what, eight years now? Eight to 10 years. Um, I got this to remember where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Uh, King was a nickname given to me in 773 is the area code of Chicago. Um, that's, that's dear to my heart. Like, I cannot forget where I came from and what built me, what made me. Uh, and for me to change who I am means I'm giving up on the tattoo that I got. Mm-hmm. So I, I keep it as a constant reminder of who I am, where I came from, what what made me become the man that I am today. And and that's how I keep myself prevalent in different spaces to who I am and I'm not gonna change that whether you like it or not. If it makes you uncomfortable, fuck you. If it makes you comfortable, great. Rock with me. So yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I completely agree with that. And I think this moment that we're in, right, that feels very compounded by COVID and social distancing and anti-Black racism um, and kind of these dual pandemics, I think for me, have really made me feel like it's time that I assert myself into these spaces that one I historically and even presently um, have been barred from accessing or are or am expected to present a certain kind of blackness um, that comports with people's expectations of me um, and to really subvert and transform those spaces. Like, I think this is a moment for me where I feel like it's about time we inconvenience white people in the way that we've been inconvenienced. Um, and uncomfortable our whole lives being in these different spaces and performing our blackness in different spaces. And it's time we radicalize the idea that blackness is this unilateral thing or it looks a certain way or it feels a certain way or it has to be, you know, like edges laid and, and baby hair and soul food. Like it is those things for different people, but also blackness is like, it's a plurality like it really is all encompassing and it means something different for so many people and I'm glad that you share what blackness is to you and how you perform it um but I do think it's a very subjective embodied experience and um you know white people have just been accustomed to a certain kind of one-dimensional blackness that I think we have to use space to change There are things that this moment we're in have like taught you or that you've reflected on either about yourself or the work that you want to do moving forward. Uh, 
the thing that uh that it taught me that I always knew, but it just re- reiterated that I'm always pro-black. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean I hate white people mm-hmm. or that I don't like white people because I would say probably 60% of my friends are white. Um, not I wouldn't say friends. 60% of my associates are white. Um, and it just taught me that like I'm always going to be myself. Uh, a lot of people laugh at me during the COVID, they was like, oh, when are you going to go get your hair cut? White people ask, when are you going to go get your hair cut? Because for them, they want to see a clean-cut African-American man in a work, workforce. And I tell them, no, I'm going for the Negro look. Y'all should be used to it by now. Mm-hmm. And it, they look at me like, what the fuck? And it's like, no, 400 years of slavery, we couldn't get a haircut. Mm-hmm. We couldn't be clean-cut. We couldn't be... We couldn't look our best. Only time y'all want us to look our best is when y'all was about to sell us. Mm-hmm. And even still, we didn't have a haircut. So get back used to it. You're not going to sell me, but I'm going to go for the natural look. I'm going to wear my hair curly. I'm going to wear my beard all wild and crazy. And it's, it's, it ain't shit you can do about it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to change it. Um, what was your second question? What was the back end of that question? I'm sorry. Oh, what kind of, um, what are the ways that this moment is shaping, like, what you want to do going forward? Um, just to be more prevalent in my community, um, whether, I know I'm in a different state than Chicago, but interacting with the community of South Bend, like, figuring out ways I can help, help, like, build a black community, like, whether it's talking to a bunch of young black men that's growing up, that's confused of how to go throughout the world like Mm -hmm. I'm 28 years old Um, I I have seen a lot been through a lot Mm -hmm. I have seen a cop kill my friend I have seen I have seen being pulled over for absolutely nothing just by being in the wrong neighborhood by being black Um, just educating them in so many different ways Um, like you can always educate yourself in different ways than you think by just talking to someone, just talking to white people, talking to black people, um, reaching out to the youth because honestly, that's the one that's that needs the most help. Um, like my, I feel like my generation is like we know our standpoint and we know how to continue to push forward and continue to challenge stuff. It's the generation behind me that's like they interact with more white people than we do mm-hmm. um, and it's because a lot of mixed kids a lot of uh, black people are starting to put together generational wealth mm-hmm. um, that they have to be the ones that talk hey listen we live in a white area mm-hmm. um, this is going to happen this is how you should go about you're a mixed kid, so you're going to be looked at differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a light-skinned kid. You're going to be looked at differently. They're going to expect more out of you. Mm-hmm. But don't forget who you are. Um, because it's a lot of interracial dating. It's a lot of black people moving out of, out of quote-unquote, ghetto. Uh, moving into these white spaces where uh, us as black folks, we like to have parties. So we're going to set mm-hmm. the block up and, you know, have stuff going on in the backyard. <laughs> And then Peppermint Patty going to come back and say, um, what's going on back here? Just just be careful, um, you know. Uh, and, and also to teach them, like, let's do what white people have been doing for years. Like, mm-hmm. getting your concealed carry. Like, I got my concealed carry, and I carry everywhere I go, every space I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, just taking advantage of things they took advantage of that we wasn't allowed to take advantage of. We wasn't allowed to carry guns, yeah. but now we are. And or to vote. Or to vote. Like now we're able to do these things, and we still don't do them. We still mm-hmm. don't vote. Like I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm one of them people that I choose and pick when I want to vote and when I don't want to vote. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I need to start voting more. I need to start using my amendments, like to carry, like. But I, 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 I get it. I get it. We're scared because if a cop sees a gun, they're going to shoot. But at the same time, you don't have to tell. They've the been o- doing that regardless, though. Right. But you don't have to tell an officer you have a gun if he don't ask. Mm-hmm. 
you don't have to answer any questions. Just tell them to give you your ticket and keep going. Yeah. Like, if you're going to give me a ticket, give me a ticket and let's move on. Mm-hmm. Like, don't ask me no questions. Don't talk to me. Let's just go. Let's mm-hmm. do what you have to do and let's move on with our life. Mm-hmm. And like, and that's what white folks do. What the fuck you pulling me over for, officer? Okay, give me the fucking ticket and let's go. Like... That's the thing that they took advantage of. You do not have to have conversations with officers. You just have to tell them, do what you have to do so we can go on with our day. Mm -hmm. You take the ticket, whether you did it or not, and you Mm -hmm. challenge that shit in court. That saves your life. You don't have to have a conversation with them. You can just say, hey, officer, here go my driver's license, here go my insurance card. Have a great day. Do what you got to do. Let's get on with our day. Mm -hmm. You don't got to say you got a gun in the car. You don't have to say you got drugs in the car. If they say, do you have a gun in the car? Do you have do you have drugs in the car? I'll say, what did you pull me up for? Okay, let's let's get that out the way. Let's get the ticket and let's go. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. It's things that I was taught by Caucasian Americans that, that makes their life easy that we don't do mm-hmm. like just by knowing that you don't have to answer any fucking questions to a cop you could just say give me the ticket and let's go mm-hmm. like I didn't know that I didn't know I didn't know that I thought you had to be like yeah I have a gun in the car uh, I have this in the car no you could just say give me the ticket for what you put me over and let's go they can't search your car mm-hmm. they, they, they need a warrant to search your car a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know that only way they can search your car without a warrant if you leave your door open if they tell you to get out of the car, shut the door right behind you. This is all things I'm learning from Caucasian Americans. This is not what I'm learning from black folks. Yeah. We black, weren't taught that also. Black folks wasn't taught that. Whenever you, you don't need to open your window all the way to talk to a, a cop. Mm-hmm. You need to open it enough where they can see your face mm-hmm. and they can see your hands. And they can hear you. Yeah. You don't have to turn off your music. You have to turn it down so they can hear you. Yeah. Like, things that we don't know that white folks been taking advantage of that we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like, another thing that I found out. You can have an extended clip in your gun. I didn't know that. I think you... I thought you had to have the normal clip. Mm-hmm. Like... It's so many things that we never took advantage of. Like, we thought taking advantage of the system was being on welfare, you know, getting government assistance. That That's not that's not taking advantage of the system. That's helping the system uh, because that's another black person that's in their system. Mm-hmm. And that's easy to trigger uh, how to get them deeper into a system right. um, and I get it we all need help we all I'm not going to blame someone that needs government assistance because at the end of the day sometimes you get the short end of the stick mm-hmm. and it happens and it's not your fault uh, I would never blame the person saying it's their fault um, because obviously we was never taught generational wealth uh, we was never taught to how to like you don't need to go to college to get a good job and a lot of people don't know about trade schools. A lot of people don't know about self-education, about picking up, going to a library, picking up a book to learn, to 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 be savvy in different ways. We was just known to be on the hood, being, a, being on the block, chilling and getting how we get it, you mm-hmm. know? So, and that's what they want us to learn. They want us to learn to be, like, to be street smart, not book smart. The best people in life, as black folks, is people that are street smart and book smart. Them the people that go a long way. But it's also the people that are street smart and book smart is to reach back to get people to see that and to pull more people out and put more black people into these white spaces. Because the only way for white folks to change um, is for us to be be more prevalent in their world. Um, And right now, this what's making white folks uncomfortable is because now you got more black educated people mm-hmm. coming into their world yeah. challenging their system like it sucks that we have to continue to see black men or black women die for us to be more into their world but at the same time 
I feel like they're sacrificing their life so we can become better people. Mm. Um, which, which in a sense, it hurts because maybe one day it'll probably be me. Maybe one day it'll probably be my family, my kids, my cousin, my friends. That and that, and that sucks. Mm. But at the same time, when shit like this, we have to challenge ourselves to become better, to to push forward. To, to make them uncomfortable as much as we've been uncomfortable for 450 years. Mm-hmm. Like, even so, longer. Even longer. It's still going on to this day. I tell people, <laughs> a lot of people's like, oh, slavery is gone. No, it's not. It's still prevalent. In yeah. this day and age, like, yeah, they, they just changed the word. Now you got manager. Now you got boss. The same thing as master. Yeah. It's same as the plantation watcher. It's the it's the same thing. It, it's just word change, and oh, you got white people in there, but the white people are the most successful people in that business. Yeah. So, and most of your black people are the most hardworking people in the business. It's Even the, the prison system, right? It's the exact same thing. It's just different wording, and just just look. I I want everybody to do this. Whoever listens to this interview or listens to this work. Just go into any business and count how many white people are working in that company and how many black people are working in that company. How many black people, African-American people, are at the top and how many Caucasian people are at the bottom. How many black people are at the bottom and how many Caucasian-American is at the top. Like, it, it will shock you. It will, it will make you think like, damn. Our system is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you can go to any place and you will see it. Any place, like, mm-hmm. like you would go to McDonald's, you'll probably see a, a white manager and a bunch of black workers. Or mm-hmm. like, it, it's just, it's just because in a lot of people are like, oh, COVID nineteen is killing a bunch of black people. Because it is. It's because most of black people work at essential businesses mm-hmm. and it's because what do we have in our area we got Walgreens we got Walmart we got Target we got we got the grocery store stuff that we can work at mm-hmm. and, and them are essential businesses mm-hmm. so yeah I gotta go to work to and most of us live with our parents or our grandma so yeah I go to work and I interact with someone that got COVID then I take it home and then I give it to my parents yeah, I'm, yeah as a young person yeah I'm fine but now my grandparents got it my right. mom got it my aunt got it and that's what's happening mm. or I want to go out and hang out this can't hold me but boom okay cool I mean, like we saw all these parties on T on Facebook now once did the police go to there they can track it off your phone Mm-hmm. They can track where you at. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, get it. All right, spread it. Kill more black people. That's less black people we got to worry about in this world to to come into our world. So it's just it's just to know the difference and know how to get into their world and make them uncomfortable. Yeah, because we've been uncomfortable for so long. So yeah, I agree. Um, and it's it's funny. Like I read something this morning on Facebook, which. You know, I'm trying to take pause from because I feel like it's it's overwhelming and it's exhausting, but it's also, you know, the the biggest site of social interaction right now with the conversations about race and trying to educate white folks and trying to get people to understand. But I saw this post and it basically said it took COVID as a national pandemic to get white people to sit down long enough to understand the pandemic that we've always lived through of anti-black racism in this world and it and it hit me it really hit me to think of you know we've always lived in a national state of crisis just being black by virtue of our identities and who we are right why do you think this moment has prompted like such a large response from people all across racial lines like we've always had you know well-meaning white folks and or non-black allies step up at different moments but the moments have always felt so fleeting 
Mm-hmm. What is it about the death of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Ayanna Dior, all, you know, Tony McDay, all of these people successively like this, um, that's made people sit back and be like, wow, our country is still racist. Like, of all the examples that we have of mass incarceration, the school to prison pipeline, impoverished, low income communities of color, underfunded schools, um, you know, systematic racism, poverty, all of all of those things have been ongoing. But it's something about this moment that's been a wake up call for people in a way. Like, wh- what do you think it is about this moment that's different? And why are, why are we getting the response that we're getting? All right, so I, it's two answers to it. One is a joke and one is a serious. I saw on Facebook, it was a, a, a young black African-American lady. And it says, our ancestors may have obeyed you, but this new generation will fuck you up. <laughs> and it's real. Yeah. It, and it's real. It's like, if anybody knew, like, in slavery time, that it was more black African Americans on mm-hmm. a plantation than it was Caucasian American, that we could have took that shit over. But they, they wasn't educated enough to know that. Mm-hmm. It's more of us than you. Yeah. Your guns shoot once every one minute. So, yeah, one of us would get hit, two of us would get hit. But by the time we get to you, we can beat your ass, take your gun, and start moving forward right. to go take more. But we wasn't educated enough to know that. But the serious part of it is the reason why we get in this thing is because more African Americans are starting to have a generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Meaning we outside of the, the community that they put us in. So we're, we're teaching our kids more. We're reading more. We're learning more. We, we're putting ourselves in they space. Mm-hmm. So the more you put yourself in they space, the more they get to understand you. Mm-hmm. So the more they understand you, the more they're willing to fight for you. Mm-hmm. So now that now that we're in a space and they see like hey this is my story this is how I got here but this is all the bullshit I've been through to get here this is Mm -hmm. all the things that I see to get here and Mm -hmm. it's like okay damn like okay my life was nothing like that okay so the more they see this the more they understand it the more they can help us Mm -hmm. so and and then also it's some people that's just doing it just to say they did it and which is fine because I'm not I'm I'm not opposed to take, taking advantage of anything. If if you want to give it, I'm gonna take it. Right. Um, and it's just to 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 like this generation. Well, not this generation, but generation my generation and generation before. It's kind of to setting us up to like to push along to get into these white spaces to start and read more to start and understand more. Um, like a lot of people, like a lot of people don't know about the things Malcolm X went through mm-hmm. unless they read about it. A lot of people don't know about what Dr. King went through, what they really went through. Like, yeah, we got these educational books in schools, but they only tell half of the story. They only tell the white part of the story. They don't tell what they did, what they went through, how hard they have to push, like... A lot of people don't even know about the documentary of Malcolm X on Netflix, the real story behind everything, the real story of how he got killed. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people are like, oh, black people killed him. Our own people killed him. If people actually watch that video, they will understand why our own people killed him and how it happened and who really killed him. Um, but it, it's just like more people are... T- becoming powerful more people are using a voice using i went in in this funny i read this exactly this morning um a guy put on there was was asked like um a girl said the conversation was between him and the girl it was like oh celebrities need to use their platforms and all this stuff and it was like and he was like okay um why do you say that it's because they have money they have this and that and he was like, well, uh, we need just need someone powerful to speak for us. And it just, and what he said made me think, Malcolm X wasn't huge, 
Huey P. Newton wasn't huge. They wasn't actors. They didn't have wealth. They didn't. They they educated themselves. They they took out of the norm of like how to go about things, like the Black Panther movement. Huey P. Newton he created that on his own. Mm-hmm. He he read about gun laws, where you could take your guns, mm-hmm. how to build structure. Like he, he built that on his own. Malcolm X. He built it off Huey P. education, mm-hmm. like about how to how to protest, how to go into different spaces, how to go into white spaces, how to go into Capitol buildings with your gun and nobody say shit to you because mm-hmm. that's my right. Mm-hmm. You built this and I'm going to use it to my advantage. Mm-hmm. And then Malcolm, um, Dr. King, he went to college at a young age, graduating college, I think at the age of what, 15? Mm-hmm. Like... He educated himself. His parents taught him education, education, even though they wasn't educated. Like, they pushed forward to, hey, you got to be smarter than us. You got to do things different. Like, I was taught that his parents was taught to do whatever the white folks say. No, this is not going to happen to you. So the reason why things are moving much further and we have much more allies is because we are more prevalent in white spaces. Mm-hmm. We are challenging white people more. Mm-hmm. We are like, we like, like for me, for instance, I didn't lived in different spaces, majority of white folks, but for me, not to change makes them think different about like my background, like people in my areas and what they going through. Because mm-hmm. now they can hear different stories, not. Not they on the outside looking in and judging. Right. Now now they on the inside and looking like, fuck, okay, this is what you've been through. Mm-hmm. Like how like white people think seeing more white cops is normal. But when you tell them, hey, I'm living in a black neighborhood and I see more white cops, they that makes them think like, Oh, that ain't normal. I was in a white neighborhood seeing more white cops. Shouldn't it be more black cops in a black neighborhood? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just us growing up like our generation our ancestors growing up they was always told to listen to the white folks mm-hmm. our generation growing up well yeah our generation growing up and the generation behind us are, are being told hey do not listen to white folks read like get into these books learn different things it's a lot of books out there that teach you about race, teach you about systematic stuff that white people do, teach you about oppression, teaches you about all these things that we've been through and how to get past it and not put yourself in that situation. Mm. So so now that you're doing that, you're now putting yourself in Caucasian Americans' world where they was taught to read, mm-hmm. they was taught to generational wealth they was taught to not to go into the hood mm-hmm. um, to to like different things but now that you're taking the hood and you're expanding mm-hmm. it to these white spaces it's like oh shit okay now we're starting to understand what y'all world is like what y'all been through like and also and also like I said again if some people just do it just to say they did it which mm-hmm. I'm cool with like I'm cool with you just saying you did it cause in a sense it's helping me mm-hmm. it's helping me more than it's helping you mm-hmm. like I, you taking me and you putting me into more white spaces mm-hmm. and I'm dragging more black people with me mm-hmm. oh that's a great job I appreciate <laughs> you I love you Thank you, cause now, now, now I get just pulled a bunch of people that was prone to the hood mm-hmm. into these white spaces. Yeah, and now you see more like damn. Okay, taking over. He, this dude, damn, like, like, and and they mind is like all these niggas is in this area, and I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of niggas in this area. We come on fucking area. <laughs> And, 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 it's, and, and it, it makes life totally different because mm. now the understanding is like, hey, we're not to be fucked with. Yeah. Like, we are here to challenge everything that your ancestors and your 
your grandparents did. And like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, 400 years ago. No, did you know that we shit just changed 50 years ago? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are like, oh, slavery was abolished. Yeah, it was abolished, but we were still slaves for 100 more years. Right. People don't think. And we don't know that because we didn't read it. Yeah. But if you read, it tells you, like, yeah, slavery was abolished in whatever year it was, but they didn't sign the bill to let all the slaves free. It's the reason why we didn't get our 40 acres in our mule. Mm-hmm. And then when we went away to build our own shit, nobody talks about it. Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, yeah. got blew up by white folks. Yeah. And one of the greatest race wars there ever was. It, and right now... By white rioters. <laughs> but like now, the reason why white people are not doing to, to like, starting this war is because it's now more black carriers for guns. Mm-hmm. The number for white folks is, is, is similar. Even if they don't... If they're not legal, they still carry and they know that. So now they don't want to start another civil war because it'd be a bunch of shit torn up. And then once that's tore up, you got people from overseas that don't that don't give a shit about America. They actually want America to burn mm-hmm. while we're being distracted. They start bombing shit over here. Then now America is no longer America. Well, I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. Is there anything else that you want to add and say any wisdom to impart for people who especially need some encouragement right now um I just want to say that even though we are starting to see improvements Mm -hmm. don't settle um because this happened before where we settled and then we got back into the situation. Mm-hmm. So continue to fight. Mm-hmm. Whether you're comfortable with it or not, continue to fight. Continue to educate yourself. Continue, continue to do things that's different. Um, don't just settle on you know don't settle on what they giving us right now mm-hmm. continue to push for more continue yeah. to challenge more continue to educate yourself more continue to get into white spaces because it's more white spaces that we need to get into like I get it weird it's, it's protests all across the world but it's so easy to do it now and then down the line we just stop we just keep Move momentum because we're comfortable with what we got yeah uh, just remember we fought for 40 acres in a mule and they gave us black wall street and they also took that back yeah but it, it still wasn't even 40 acres in a mule mm-hmm. so don't get comfortable continue to make them uncomfortable even if it makes you uncomfortable mm-hmm. and that's the only thing that i can say um, and do because I'm going to continue to challenge white people um, I'm going to continue to tell my story I'm going to continue to get people to understand like it's not easy being black mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it's, it's it's not easy to be white but it's difficult to be black in America like a lot of people say oh racism going to end it's not it's never going to end. You can't, you can't get rid of something that makes someone money. Mm-hmm. So, but what you can do is continue to challenge it, continue to push forward, continue to make them uncomfortable. And when they become uncomfortable, it won't end, but it it, it will be marginalized. Mm-hmm. It it will be slim to none because the moment they think that the moment they're about to fuck up it will make them reconsider what they're about to do because of the backlash that they will get mm-hmm. um, so it's just to continue to push forward and not just settle on on what they starting to change like oh they're putting on Black Lives Matter and stuff like this and mm-hmm. stuff like that no, no we don't 
we we like that, but we want more. Continue continue to want more. Continue to want more for your community. Continue to push for putting stuff back into the black community. Like my thing is like what I want to see is us black folks starting to buy our communities back. Like I get it, we took down a bunch of shit, but the moment we tear down, that's when we should start building. So that's what I want us to do, like buy our communities back, buy all these, buy back our black spaces, mm-hmm. build back up our black Wall Street, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, put ourselves back in situations where we don't need Caucasian American. Mm-hmm.